Welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you today. And we are going to talk about media. Now, this is media, what we do with the radio program. And we have been doing this for 9 to 20 years. And God uses these means to bring about good things. So the communication through media has been helpful, yet media is a double-edged sword. And there are principalities and powers that have engaged media and have had some degree of control over media, unlike any other time in human history, such that we better wake up and smell the napalm in the world of the world views. There's a battle going on, and the battle is a battle of ideas. And those ideas come fast and furiously today, faster and more furiously than ever before, largely due to radio, television, movies, now YouTube. The internet, boy, these are incredibly powerful sources of media or information dispersal that are affecting lives of many and and ruin the lives of many. Uh, So we need to be well aware of these things. We like to refer to media as a chainsaw. Well, a two-year-old running around the house with a chainsaw can do some real damage to himself, his siblings, not to mention the drywall. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, use chainsaw in the right way. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, but we need discernment in these things. We absolutely must use discernment. Colossians 2.8 warns us not to give way to those philosophies, those vain philosophies that will rob us of the knowledge we have in Jesus Christ. And uh, the basic principles of the world can eventually erode our basic worldview, our our understanding of God's Word and God's ways. Well, friends, uh, today we're going to talk about media uh, and how to use it. Uh, Philip Telfer is uh, Media Talk 101, but uh, now he's got a new program out, and we're going to talk about his new program, ScreenTime101.com, a good way to prepare you and your family for handling media. And I, I would say that When we do our family conferences, the number one issue that parents want to talk about is how to use the iPhone, how how to use media in the home. Big, big topic today for obvious reasons, and Philip Telfer has dedicated so much of his time to putting together this program. Philip, welcome to the Generations broadcast, my friends. Good to have you back. Well, thank you, Kevin. I'm glad to be back. Uh, Philip, talk to us a little bit about how you got into this uh, media talk and Scream Time 101. Um, it's it's it, it's affecting everybody in the modern world, with maybe the exception of a few Amish folk. Yes. Well, I could tell you they even have some struggles in this. But uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, this really goes back to when I was 17 years old and a new believer following Jesus Christ. And I began to really get convicted about some of my really poor media choices. And at the time I had no peer support, not really family support and and not church support. I was kind of alone in this idea that, you know what, I think I'm really being negatively affected by the media I've been consuming. And so I went on a media fast at the age of 17 for Mm, two weeks. Two weeks. And and I two weeks. I was like, I gave God two weeks. (laughs) But what happened was during those two weeks, so much changed in my life. It was as if like when you're in a city and you look up at night 
you don't see the stars because there's so much man-made light. So you get out of the city and you, and you get out in the country and you look up and you see the whole Milky Way galaxy. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So what I found in those two weeks is like my mind clearing up, my heart clearing up. And I began to see God in clearer ways without all this uh, inundation of media. And so that was at 17. And then, so I didn't stop at two weeks. That was my plan. But then I just decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to live differently. And so for many of my years, I lived differently than my, my culture. And it wasn't until years later as a pastor and uh, seeing what was happening with so many young people, I took a transition and I said, you know what? I need to be intentional about helping teens and their families navigate the digital landscape because there's not a lot of voices in this space. So that's really what began in, in regard to, I've been speaking on this subject for over 20 years. Okay. Plus I've got, I've got four children and uh, two of them are now adults and two are still teens. So I'm, and I'm a homeschool dad. I'm, I'm walking through this. I'm living through all these changes and navigating this as a family. So my hope is to, to help other families out. Yes. Philip, when it comes to media, you can't just sort of wander aimlessly into YouTube. And so, oh, no. you know, I mean, you do that, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, This whole idea of sort of, you know, just wandering into media like the babe in the woods, right? Uh, a bit, you've heard that phrase, babe in the woods. Yes. Uh, boy, that's not the right approach. You just got to be prepared, intentional, et cetera. You've got to think about your goals and motivations. Talk about that for just a sec. Yeah, well, when it comes to media, technology, and entertainment, I wish, I'm sure you do too, I wish we could go back to Little House on the Prairie. You know, if we could just push a button and go back, I would, but we can't. And so we're we're in such a, a time as this, and God has uh, called us to step up and to figure out how. And so when it comes to goals and motivations for doing this, you know, if I could tell a, a teenager, what if... You know, if I could make you famous by being discerning in how you handle media and technology, would you do it? And they'd like, oh, yeah, because fame is an idol today. Or if I said, what if I gave you a million dollars, you know, to to be discerning and make wise choices? Would you do it? And they'd like, oh, yeah, because money is an idol today. So when you think about it, it's like, what would motivate someone? Because when you think about the power of a smartphone and the difference between me uh, growing up in the 80s as a teen, but I was still a digital immigrant. I was, I was coming into the digital age, and the kids today, have they're digital natives. They've always had it. And so what they have that I didn't have and you didn't have, could you imagine being a teen today and having a, a, and a device that could fit in your pocket that gave you access to the world's largest arcade? And the world's largest collection of of movies, and the world's largest collection of porn, and the world's largest collection of music, and twenty four seven connection to your peers. How would we have done? I'm like, I think about. It, I'm like, I don't think I would have survived uh, my teenage years. <laughs> Probably would have just with, blown with, up <laughs> with something that that powerful uh -huh. in my pocket. Right. So, but we can't. I can't push the button. You can't push the button. And make it all go away. So we have to figure out how do we help families and, and young people today move forward with wisdom. And that led to, you know, I've been talking about these subjects for years. And so when it comes to goals and motivations, I think ultimately, you know, we want to point people to 
what pleases God. That's the most, you know, we're here to give glory to God. And all of the decisions and things we do in life affect that. But also your your family well-being, your your spiritual, emotional, physical well-being, all of that is affected. And the research is clear. And the big change, Kevin, that I've seen, and you've probably seen it too in the last maybe 10 years, is that when I began doing this in a uh, full-time in 2003, uh, it was hard to get parents to pay attention, you know, and, and definitely students to pay attention. You know, they're like yawning and like, whatever, man, you know, this is like, do something exciting. Talk about the Grand Canyon or something or spaceships, but, you know, to talk about media discernment and what has changed in the last, especially the last decade is more and more parents, especially, and even some teens are becoming aware we've got a problem. Oh, wow. And now they're going, they're going like, okay, all right, we're, we're, we're admitting it. There is a problem. Yeah. How do you get yeah. a teen to or anybody else to be more intentional. It's warning, help them. You remember the road signs where yes. it would say, you know, this is life before meth. This is life after meth. Remember those road signs? He's just a horrible yes, yes. person addicted to meth and they just, their life is destroyed. Uh, it, it, would a road signs, this is what life looks like before an addiction to porn or YouTube. This is what life looks like after an addiction sure. to porn or YouTube. Uh, would that help? Does, does the warning help people or I don't, does it take something more fundamental? No. Well, it certainly is a part of the picture. I just spent last week, uh, the whole day on an online conference. It was secular and it was mostly teens that were a uh, teen advocacy groups for finding balance, you know, when it comes to tech, what they would call tech and life balance. And so these are all, these are all teens and 20 somethings that realize, and they're not even Christians, and they're saying, we've got a problem. And so it's interesting listening Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And you know what they say? They say, nobody's talking about it. Like nobody among our peers or, you know, nobody talks about it. And so what I have found over the years, and I've heard this from parents and I've heard it from teens and young adults, they have said, you know what? Thank you. Because ah, as long as nobody, nobody's talking about this and by the fact of just bringing it up and and talking about it reasonably and giving us some connections between our faith and our digital lives that it makes sense. And it answers what's been gnawing at me inside. Like, so what we forget is that deep inside, a lot of these digital natives don't know anything different. We, and as digital immigrants, we're guilty of, of forgetting that, you know what, we didn't grow up. We don't know what it's like to only know of smartphones and the internet and all this connectivity and this 24 seven connection to all these things. We didn't have that. We actually can reminisce and even long for the life we used to have before all of it, but they've never seen that. And so how, and that may never exist in their lives. They may never exactly find what we once experienced, but we got to help build a bridge and say, okay, you didn't see that, but let's paint a picture for you. And, they're recognizing that, yes, something's broken in our culture. Something's broken in our lives. Help us to understand what's going on and point the way. We're, we're tired. There's, so there are, there are people, kids that are going like, uh, they're getting rid of the smartphones and they're going to dumb phones. You know, this is rare, but uh, they're, they're, some of them are doing it. Some of them are waking up and going, ah, things are broken. You know, I want to I wanna, I wanna find some balance in my life. I want to regain some focus. And right now, 
they have tracked that the more time kids spend on social media, the more depressed they become. It doesn't make any sense. How can you be so lonely when you have all that? Because those superficial connections don't, don't fulfill the deepest needs in your life. And that's what you and I can, and parents can bring to the table and say, you know what? I know that you're longing for something. And, and it's just like the kids in the sixties and seventies with all their drugs and Eastern mysticism, you know, it's like, it didn't work. It didn't fulfill. And now we have a new environment where it's this digital drug and it's this, this social experiment online and the results are coming in and kids are depressed. Mm-hmm. They're, they, mm-hmm. they're lonely. Big time. They're, they're broken and they're like, please help us. So that's what this is all about. That's what Screen Time 101 is all about is helping families to find balance and regain focus from a biblical worldview. Do you think it's appropriate for some folks to just chuck the iPhone and disconnect? Do they do it for a while, like an immediate fast, as you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, or do they just check out for good? Well, I think that would be very hard. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to it if someone just said, I'm done. Uh, you would definitely have to figure out how to function in a community like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it can definitely be helpful for a season. And this is why I say this, and I've maybe, I've probably changed, you know, I used to be more of an advocate of, hey, just get rid of it all. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's almost impossible to do. And here's the issue. Our kids, my kids, have to learn how to navigate this. There's no choice. You know, it's like we, like I said, we can't push that button. We can't go backwards, but we can go forwards and make better choices. These are powerful tools. Like I have a wood shop. I've gotten my kids involved in woodworking for the, for the last like eight years. And so we have powerful tools in our wood shop. We got, we got table saws. I got a bandsaw. We've got three lathes. We got routers, joiners. They're all dangerous tools. Mm-hmm. But my kids use them, because, but not without training. And that's the problem. We've just given these tools over to kids with no training, no worldview perspective, no, no guardrails. And I'm not letting any of my kids touch a power tool until they've been trained. But when I was in, I, I wished I had been homeschooled, but I went to public school. And one of the few good things that came out of that was a shop class. So I was in shop class in junior high and we were running all this equipment, but not, they wouldn't let us touch an on button until we had proven that we had gone through all the safety classes and, and understood the dangers as mm-hmm. well as what these tools could benefit right. in the shop. And mm-hmm. that's what this course is all about. It's Good. not an anti-media. It's not anti-entertainment. I'm not saying you're going to now when it comes to the smartphone, it's one thing talking about a responsible adult with an iPhone. It's another thing talking about an eight-year-old with an iPhone. In that case, I'd be like, totally do not give your child a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, why, w- why should an eight-year-old need a smartphone? So, so there's, a, there's also age appropriateness, and that's all part of like smart parenting. Mm-hmm. Now, folks, the uh, course or the seminar that's uh, video-based available at screentime101.com is made up of 19 lessons. And we're just going over some of the high points uh, on this edition of the program. But again, the screentime101.com for uh, a, a really succinct uh, program uh, for introducing your children to media and introducing your family to media. Uh, Philip, how 
do you make media useful? And, and here's one more thing. How do we determine what is useful or what is edifying? Sure. Well, it's, it's like anything in life when you, I like to use the analogy of an all-you-can-eat media buffet. You know, when you go to a food buffet, you go through a line, you get all these choices, but you, if you're, if you have um, issues with your health and you're concerned about your health, you're going to watch two things. And that is gluten. Be careful about how gluten how much and, you put on your plate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Or, or you know, and and the kinds of foods that you know. So there's the quality of the food that's an issue, and then there's the how much. And those two issues where we're lacking self control in our generation. Okay. okay. So they're piling too much on the plate, and and we're not careful. You got to read the labels. Yeah. So this this course. Uh, just to kind of give people a picture of like, hey, what what is this? First of all, it's free, so you can't go wrong there. <laughs> this is a you know, why is it free? Deal. Because okay. because I'm so I so want to help parents, so I don't I want to eliminate any reason why you wouldn't um, do this as a family. And so it's a free course, as you said. There's 19 lessons. The first 11 lessons are live, and every week a new lesson comes out. Uh, the lessons like 10 to 15. 10 to 20 minutes long. It's a video lesson. You have follow along notes and there's a quiz at the end and it tracks mm -hmm. your progress. Mm -hmm. And uh, this can be, this is great for homeschool. I think if you're homeschooling your children, you should just integrate this into your worldview uh, curriculum. Just okay. make it uh, a requirement in your yeah. school. Mm -hmm. uh, the suffocation of social media. I'm curious, social media, is there any value to it <laughs> you know it seems to me we're beginning to see there were more problems with social media than we had expected at the beginning sure well so way in the beginning like i i started this ministry i was speaking uh nationally in 2003 so that predates twitter it predates facebook it predates myspace and so i've i've lived through all these changes and i remember when facebook uh hit the market so to speak and I had both parents and teens asking me, so, so what do you think of Facebook? And the, of course, I set up an account because I had to, I don't know if I understand it. And right away, these are platforms of communication. And the difference is, is platforms of communication, broadcasting methods used to be limited to uh, certain institutions, you know, television, radio stations. And so this is all part of what people need to understand, and this is part of the course, I teach about this, like Web 2.0. And Web 2.0 just means user-generated content that you could, like you're giving access to users to generate their own content. So it's, you know, YouTube used to be, I don't know if they still have that logo, it was like broadcast yourself. And uh, Facebook says, what's on your mind? Well, this is great if your heart is aligned with God. But Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Facebook is a platform. What goes onto that platform is a reflection of people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And the difference is, is this is being broadcast to the world. And this was, a, this was something that people didn't ever have the power to do, the average person or the average teen, to, to actually blast out and broadcast their thoughts. And so the problem ultimately is going to be the heart because people whose hearts are right, they can get on Facebook and they can share the gospel. You know, they can promote godly things. I promote Screen Time 101 on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm mm -hmm. trying to point out good things. So the, the bad things aren't coming from 
necessarily Facebook. I mean, that's uh, that's it could be a deep subject, but the, well, but the big picture is it's we're talking about hearts, and if a heart's not aligned with Christ, so it becomes it can become problematic for sure. Because if your heart's not aligned with the Lord, then a platform like TikTok or Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat, all that's going to do is drive a wedge oftentimes even further between good relationships in your life, a good relationship with God, a good relationship with your family, and uh, the, the mechanisms themselves. But here's the problems. So what are the big problems about Facebook, YouTube, all of these is they are designed to be addictive and to keep you coming back and to keep you distracted from real things in life. <laughs> so, you know, that is, that's a problem. And if, but if you're aware of that, then you're going to say, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm going to use it for what it's good for, but I'm not going to get sucked in to the things that are going to distract me from real face-to-face relationships. It still seems like the success stories in social media is the 0.0001% or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, it no, just no. seems it's, to be that there's just not, not a high level of success in terms not, of the usefulness of these things. I'm not glowing about things. it. Right. No, I'm it, not glowing about it. Is, is, I'm just is, are there any good examples? I mean, can you think of somebody who uses it rightly and how that works? Well, okay, so YouTube is is... We wouldn't think of that as social media, but anytime you have community broadcasting. Okay. So, so you know, I was just reading statistics recently on uh, like the old, like the 1979 Jesus movie. It's got 174 million views you know, okay. on YouTube okay. alone. Uh-huh. That's a great, that's a great outreach. Mm-hmm. Sure. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, you might have an individual who has their little thing going and, and uh, watches out for the negative comments that come down through their feeds and 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 they're they're on their game. So there are instances in which that happens, I guess. It's it's rare though. And so I'll tell you why I think teens shouldn't be on social media. <laughs> you know, okay. Because here's here's why and especially whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook because these are all these all, all been gamified. And what do we mean by that? They've all been there's a mechanism built in f- to gain points to see who wins. And so this is what we call um, upward comparison at using quantified popularity. So you can quantify it. Like now, when I was going to school, uh, once again, I wished I had been homeschooled, but I wasn't. And I went to public school. There were kids that were popular. There were kids. I was, I was in the unpopular crowd, but, but we had a crowd of unpopular kids that got along. You know, So we had a little click of unpopular kids, but we didn't walk around with a big placard on us that gave us a numerical rating of how popular or unpopular we were. But that's what's happening on social media. And that's why there's so much depression and despair Mm -hmm. because social media quantifies your popularity. And, and so they're desperate. You, you, you post something and you only get three likes, but your friend or somebody else is getting a hundred likes and that drives them to then do, be more desperate to get likes and then they're doing things that are uh risky and wrong in order to get attention and then when they get that attention it it doesn't actually fulfill them it's and that's why it just keeps driving this so this upward comparison this quantified popularity this is driving social media and it's destroying lives so yeah i'm not a fan what what are the indications that media is negative and producing negative results in your family's life. You talk about desensitization and numbness and 
these sorts of things, but you know, give give just a few clues that that this is going badly for me or for us. Sure. Well, one of one of the big things, not only being desensitized, but is your worldview. Because when you you quoted Colossians two eight, do not be taken captive by philosophies and empty deceptions. Well, the philosophers, when the Apostle Paul wrote that, they were itinerant speakers. They would come into an area, they would meet in the agora, they'd pitch their ideas. People would gather around, and you would you know if you had if you were a parent with little children, you're like I don't think I want my kids exposed to this person's ideas. You just walk through the marketplace and move on. But what are the who are the philosophers today? that have influence. Well, for one, we have this influencer culture, but mm. the philosophers are the the musicians, the movie stars, the movie producers, you know, the TikTok stars, the influencers on social media. They are the ones delivering the philosophies, the false philosophies today that that are opposed to Christ. That's right. And those have an effect on because it's they're getting bombarded and the difference is is when Paul said do not be taken captive by these philosophies. He's not expecting Christian parents to actually invite these philosophers into the home and, and assign one to every child, child in the house, in their own room. And, and now the family disperses to the four corners of their house and everybody has a device and your children have access to the philosophies of the world that are undermining the truth of the gospel. One of the principles we've used in our home for a long time, I would say at least 15 years, is we don't watch media by ourselves. We always do it in community, in accountability with others in the family. And I think we've stuck to that pretty consistently over the years. Very helpful, very helpful, at least in terms of our interaction with video and music. Uh, we play our music out loud for everybody to hear. So been pretty consistent with that over the years, and I'd like to just you know uh, use that as a uh, a means to uh, to maintain accountability within our own family. It's it's a great example. In fact, you influenced me on that. I'm very grateful for that. I got that from you. I've done okay. the same thing in my house because <laughs> I learned that from you, and uh, so we do the same thing. And it's yeah. it's great entertainment and community. We're That's gonna right. Sit down and. We're going to be careful about what we watch, but when we watch something, we're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. And that gives time for parents to be able to interact and say, hey, let's talk about some of these things. Yeah, yeah. And and, and do this together, friends. Screentime101.com, 19 lessons. Uh, do it as a family. Uh, just gather around and, and watch these short videos and then have a discussion about each of them. A great way to equip your family to rightly handle the power tool called the media. At Screentime101.com, my guest today... Philip Telfer. Philip, thanks so much. Always good to reconnect with you and and uh, just keep up the good work. May God bless you in these ministry efforts. Thank you, Kevin, and you also. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.